Welcome to the third episode of Making It, a podcast about making stuff with your bare hands, hosted by Jimmy Diresta, Bob Claggett, and myself, David Picciuto. How about we get started and talk about what we're working on? Bob, what you got going on over there? Well, this last week, I've been making cutting boards. I've made 12 of them. I had a commission, um, so I had to make 12 cutting boards the same kind, and they're like 12 by 18, pretty big, and it turned out pretty good. Has ever used tongue oil? Yeah, yeah, I actually have used it. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's great. It makes every it makes all the wood, at least the wood that I'm using, it makes it kind of glisten. It's crazy. It just brings out this kind of pearlescence in the wood. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. What about you, Jimmy? Um, I'm actually building a Crown Royal bar, which I'm documenting. I talked about it earlier, and uh, it's coming out pretty good. And uh, I just finished filming a video for the my latest make video. It's it's a sign for a makerspace called The Ink, and uh, some pictures on my Instagram of that. And I'm um, finishing up 30 Dickel boxes, George Dickel whiskey toasting boxes, which are coming to a final close, which is nice because when you got to make a lot of one thing, it's a real time-consuming, tedious thing. But they're coming out good, and I'm happy with the results. And I'm here with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, I've, I've been getting ready for a couple handmade shows coming up. I got one this Saturday in Toledo called Maker's Mart. And then another one, I think the first Saturday in December in Cleveland called Manly Mart. And so I've just been been a little factory over here making duplicates of everything and not putting out a project video this week so, I'll, so I have time to do all this stuff. Yeah. So What kind of stuff did you decide on for the Manly Mart? You were talking about manly things. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick to alcohol-related stuff. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Uh, yeah, you yeah. can't go wrong with that. So, uh, the beer totes and the the wine holders and the, and the wine boxes and beer flights and whiskey flights and whatever else I can think of. I don't think I'm going to take the CNC machine like I talked about before. Mm. Just yeah. I don't want to take it across the state and set it up and and worry about all that. So, yeah, it is pretty loud to use in a space like that too. Yeah. Know, so I did start making an, an enclosure for mine though. Uh, the oh, new nice. the new Inventables carving machine kind of encouraged me to go out and get some plexiglass and and some hardboard and I started making an enclosure and did some upgrades on it but nice yeah, a vacuum is really important yeah with, uh, when it comes to that stuff you really got to manage the dust because it gets everywhere yeah I know I'm wondering if I if I drill a hole in the plexiglass and stick a, a shot back in there will that will there be enough suction in there or am I still gonna have to Hinge it's best it. to get it right at the right at the yeah, okay. source. Yeah, I mean, like I have the the desktop unit from Shopbot, and they have like a little attachment so that the vacuum head goes right next to the bit. Right on. Yeah, and that, that really helps because it's right at the source where it begins to throw. Is best to get it right there. Mm-hmm. But if it's enclosed, then you know you're just kind of keeping the small particles from floating around the room. That helps. Once I do my spindle upgrade, which is coming up pretty soon, I do have plans to make a dust shoe like that that goes right around it. <clears throat> yeah, but a lot of the ones I've seen are. You know, they're like a dark plastic or they're, they have bristles or something. So you can't actually see the cut that's happening. Yeah, you got so, to learn to trust it. <laughs> well, I have plans for, for using a, a clear plastic and, and cutting some th- like pieces in it. So, you know, it's almost like, like a real skirt, but it's clear. So you should be able to see that, yeah. the cut through the dust shoe, theoretically. So yeah. there's a guy um, on YouTube named Winston Moy. Have you ever seen his videos? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I haven't. So he's got a shape Oko and he's done a bunch of upgrades to it and everything, but he did a really nice enclosure and it's a pretty basic enclosure, but it seems to work really, really well for him. Oh, it's yeah. all plexiglass and wood. So you might want to check that out. Yeah. I think he, he had the videos where he's assembling it. And I think I learned a couple of things from him while I was putting mine together. So 
Yeah, probably. I'll have to check that out. So for topic today, we had some topics sent in through email, which is pretty awesome. You guys keep doing that. Um, and one that I found pretty interesting was goals. So I think we should talk about goals both for our businesses or for our YouTube channels or however you want to frame that. Um, and then also personal goals, you know, like uh, skill sets and, you know, just about what what we do, how we can get better at it and kind of where we want to take our individual skill sets. Yeah. So anybody, anybody want to take that and go on either one of them? Well, I have a good example. Um, for the last couple of years, I always take the, the new year, which is coming up as, as sort of a, a point to decide on the few goals that I want throughout the, the coming year. And a few years ago, we talked a lot about the CNC machine. Every year for two or three years, I said, this is the year I'm going to learn CNC routing and buy a machine. And I, I obviously accomplished that and I'm getting better at it and I'm getting more confident. And now I know I could, I could offer something to a client and, and achieve, achieve that goal. And uh, I'm beginning to get a little bit more artful with it. Uh, you know, some people might doubt that that's artful CNCing, but I think it is. <laughs> and uh, so my new goal now is to get a, a laser. So that's one of my new long-term goals for the next year is to get my hands on a laser so that I could utilize the technology there. And so that's one of my uh, my my uh, what do you what are those things when you have the new year comes up? You make a resolution. resolution. Yeah, that's one of my new year's resolutions is to get my hands on a laser. Small laser, just to get the process of learning how to use that machine, and then also maybe uh, another long-term goal would be to get a bigger CNC machine so I could do bigger pieces. I have seen um, people attach the laser to their CNC machine. Is really? Any, has anybody else seen this? Yeah, 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 I've seen them. I don't, I don't know what it would take to remove that and put the the regular spindle back on there. So. I think it's reasonable. I did see one recently where a guy took a the laser out of a, and I don't know all the specifics, so I could be wrong here, but I think he took the laser out of a Blu-ray player and then focused it. And it's not like as powerful as some of the lasers like you would buy from, you know, Epilogue or somebody like that. But he was able to take an existing laser and then put it through a lens and focus it enough to where it would do some burning. And then he made that, stuck it onto a CNC machine. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy. But That's possible. so funny. It's so funny you should bring that up because I, I developed a relationship with these guys at a recycling plant in Brooklyn just in the last couple of weeks. They, they emailed me. They were fans and I wrote back to them right away and, and we developed a friendship. And he came over my shop the other day and brought some stuff with him. And one of the things he brought was this laser from some sort of projection machine. <laughs> and right away he was saying, he goes, if we take this and we find the right lens and we focus it, because we could, could definitely burn wood with it. Huh. And it never occurred to me to take that thing that Kai found and attach it to my CNC machine. So now I'm a little invigorated. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. you, can make a death, you can make a Death Star, too. You, you <laughs> well, yeah. he's, he's saying, he goes, oh, we just got to figure out how to cut the end off. He's very, he's very enthusiastic, and he's got a great energy. He's like, we just have to cut the end off and get a couple of lenses. And, and I'm like, I go, if we do that, we're going to basically make a lightsaber. We're not going to make a lake. <laughs> <laughs> also a good project. Yeah, nothing right? wrong with yeah. that. I go, yeah, let's make sure we all wear our dark protective glasses. <laughs> but the laser is sitting in my shop. I haven't touched it because, you know, I don't want to burn my eyes out. I didn't really know what to do with it. So it's sitting on my desk in my shop. So wow. now we'll play with it tomorrow. I came in the other day and, and him and David, David who works in my shop, David and Kai had it plugged into a, a, the battery pack of one of the DeWalt drills. And they were pointing it around the room. <laughs> it works, but they just have to focus. We have to figure out how to focus it to make it burn. Wow. I don't know if that's. I didn't. He was telling me, and in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather go spend five grand and just get it perfect. But 
Yeah, I, I feel like there would be a lot of a lot of trial and error to get that focusing right, and then just to be able to control it, you know, when you actually wanted to use it. But it still is a really interesting. Yeah, maybe it's like, something to play control. with. Yeah, or a lightsaber, either one. Yeah. <laughs> David, what goals are you working on? Immediate goals would be well, thanks to Jimmy, I have a welder on the way. Oh, awesome! Glad that's working out. Yeah, something I've I've never done before, and uh, I, I'm. I've already hooked up with a local buddy who who makes welding videos and he's from the Toledo area and we decided we're going to do a show on it where I'm going to have him come over to my place and he's going to and we're going to take a trip to the Home Depot. We're going to get the supplies that we need. Then we're going to come back and in, into my garage and he's going to show me how to weld two pieces of metal together and then I'm oh, going to give it a shot and then we're going to we're going to film it and put it up on the YouTubes. Oh, nice. great. That's great. It's really it's great to see someone's learning developed in that way. So that'll be great. Yeah. My first time I'll ever use it will be on camera. So I, I the, the goal for me is to show people that have never done this before that there's not that many barriers to it, although I really don't know. So I guess I'll find out, too. But, You're right. There isn't. Yeah. And so I want to incorporate that into my woodworking because I have a lot of table ideas, but I want metal legs and not wood legs, you know, so yeah, I've already got plans for it. Great. That's great. That's really great to hear. That's actually one of mine, too. I am kind of in the same situation. I've done a little bit of metal work in the past, but it's been years and years since I've done any welding. And so that's one of my goals and has been for quite a while to get that skill set back and get better at it and be able to use it. Because right now it's, you know, if, if I wanted to make something with some welding involved, there would be like a learning curve of a week or so to get back into, you know, just the the feel of it and I don't ever want to commit that time to that learning curve to getting a skill back that I've let go. So it makes it really hard to try to work that into an existing or a you know, project that I'm working on for that reason. But so that's one. And then um, I think like as far as the kind of video project videos and YouTube stuff in general, I'm trying to figure out how to improve production time. That's like one thing that over the next year I really have to and this is like such a nerdy, you know, programmer thing to to think about and talk about. But like the workflow of idea to plans to making it and filming it and editing and that entire progress. You want to shorten that? I, I want to shorten that. I want to figure out how to make maybe not all of it faster, but some of it faster because I would like to be able to put out more content. But it just takes a long time, you know. And you know what? Maybe I mean what helps with me is. Don't plan anything. Just keep a camera nearby. If you start making something, <laughs> point it at what you're doing. That's really how most of my videos come up. I'm, I'm doing a video of the Crown Royal Bar, and the camera was in the shop. And I said to David, I go, should we film this? Yeah, yeah, let's film it. It literally was that decision. And now tonight I sat down with the marketing people, and they're like, oh, my God, you're making a video. We're going to promote it through our website. We have millions of followers on Twitter. I was like, oh, wow, I'm glad I made that little split-second decision. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes... This it just involves a lot of wood chopping and wood table sawing, which to me doesn't make for an extremely interesting video because I've done so much of it. It bores me. So that's why sometimes when it's just straight woodworking assembly, I sometimes don't find what's interesting about it. But we, we've already found the first day of shooting. We found 10 things that are interesting, which I wouldn't even have thought of mm. if I sat down to try and plan it. So One thing is this, and it's different though about like our positions, you and I, and well, the three of us, is that you know you make things all day every day and so you get to decide 
which of I those suppose. things is worthwhile filming. And for me, it's like, hey, I, I get to make something. So <laughs> I should film it. So, yeah. so I kind of do the same thing in that I film pretty much everything. I mean, I'm making cutting boards. And that's not something that I would have thought would have made a very interesting <laughs> video. And I'm st still not sure if it will make an interesting video. But I filmed it because I was doing it, because I had the opportunity to do it. But I think because my shop time is so limited, relatively limited, I want to try to figure out how to make it more productive, you know? Well, you when know, it's good. Like, if, you, if you're going to make, sorry, sorry, David, but Bob, if you're going to make a video of making cutting boards, take it one step further and use the cutting board and make a tomato sauce or something. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. They're commissioned, so I can't use them. But. Uh, <laughs> I, I always like it when somebody makes a story out of their video. Instead of you just seeing something made, you actually see something made and then being used for its purpose or there's an actual yeah. purpose for that thing being made in the first place so you get to hear a little story. I like it when, when there's something else that, that ties that in. I don't get to do that too much because I'm, I'm making something for a craft show coming up. That, but I, I, that's what I want to incorporate more in the, in the future. And something that I've done to help me kind of speed up the editing time is I don't film everything. So I, I have to assume, and, and I know not everybody, but I, I know most of my viewers already know how to work a table saw. So I'll show, you know, I'm, I'm cutting my pieces to size on the table saw, and that's just five seconds. So I just record a couple cuts on the camera. I stop the camera, and then I go in and film the rest of the cuts. And then I move to the next machine or whatever, the next step. And if it's the bandsaw, I'll film just maybe the beginning of the cut and I'll stop it and I'll film the end of the cut. That way I'm not Absolutely. going through hours of material down the road. Yeah. So, Yeah, that helps. I like my, my, A lot of my editing keys are basically where action changes on camera. If action's changing, then I'll film it. If action isn't changing and it's staying the same, I don't film it. Like today, I, was, I started the CNC machine and I filmed it cutting out the, the logo letters. And then I shut it off and then I filmed me just sort of taking it out. In between, you don't need it. Yeah, you know, in most cases, this is video is going to have lots and lots of content, so I have to really be selective of what I'm going to do. Whereas, like the ink sign that I just made, it's really just a CNC machine, and there's a couple of little techniques to dress it up. So I show the full CNC, but obviously, in fast forward, and it looks really cool, really quickly. Mm -hmm. So these are decisions you make when you know like how much more content is going into the whole thing. Yeah. So. And it, like as far as the story, David, what you were saying, the the approach I took with the um, cutting board video was, yes, a lot of people, and even you just recently did a cutting board video. So a lot of people have done that. And I was trying to figure out how to, to make it, you know, stand out, make it do something different. So the approach is that I'm making 12 cutting boards. It's not that I'm making one. Mm -hmm. And so it's how, yeah. so the whole first process, part of the process is taking big pieces of lumber, you know, that are unmilled or rough milled or whatever, and turning that from a math perspective, turning that into how do I get the pieces I need to make 12 cutting boards out of this limited piece of, you know, these pieces of material. Very nice. That's a great that was idea. the only thing I could think of to make it like a little unique and a little yeah. interesting. And that's yeah. just the beginning of it really. So, and I tried to make mine a little bit different. I put a stop clock on, on my screen. So yeah, you see exactly cool. how long it takes from beginning to end, not including glue drying and finish drying and then i did a little project calculator at the end which i i got from one of jimmy's television shows or like cost of materials and <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, value of the project and profit so and i got a good reaction out of that so i'm gonna start doing that more yeah Actually, i think that's a good thing i think for you to add to, to what you're doing well you you brought up my shows and uh the 
one of my goals and now with my 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 new friendship with my new friend Kai who's a really cool dude who who works at this recycling plant uh every day now since we met he's sending me pictures of incredibly cool things that are basically going to be smelted or crushed and turned into other things you know like car metal or whatever it all just gets recycled and taken away so next week if i could carve out a couple of hours me and dave are going to go over there and we're going to basically film an episode of my old show dirty money and go through the pile of junk it's going to be full-on talking and i'm going to because my i got a really good response from my video where i talked about my tools and my toys and so um I'm going to try and do more of those. And this is a perfect opportunity to go to the junkyard. So as far as goals, to relate it back to what we're talking about, it's going to be one of my goals is to do more talking videos with like a full storyline. And I'll mm. see. Like, and, and I got away with a 30-minute video recently. So I'm going to try and stay within that. But I'm going to do like maybe a 20-minute video of a visit to the recycling plant, try and find a couple of cool things. And then being inspired by Frank Holworth, and you guys talked about his big disc sander uh, the other day, uh, Bob. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to, uh, me and David, who works with me in my shop, we're going to design and build a 24-inch disc sander. And so part of nice. going to this recycling plant will be to try and find the parts to make a 24-inch disc sander. So Actually, so, you're supposed to make two 24-inch disc sanders, and then one of them can come to my shop. So Oh, actually, that's a great idea. <laughs> you might as well just batch it out and make three. Yeah, then. let's do three. So, yeah, right. that sounds like a good uh, Or idea. four. We can give one away. <laughs> That'll be my, my giveaway. <laughs> Uh, you're going to laugh because I have these big giant circular saw blades. And I said to Dave, I go, why don't we just make a small table saw on the other side of it? So I'm going to have, a, I have, it's a, it's like a 28 inch circular saw blade, which I've, I've blogged and I mean, I've Instagrammed about it a little bit. And, uh, I just noticed Dave was taking pictures of it for the Duresta shop. So you might see that up in the next couple of days. We were going to put the disc sander on one side and then have this blade be attachable to the other side in case we have to saw mill a big giant piece of wood. So huh. it wouldn't be too much room as far as a sawmill is concerned because we don't really we wouldn't need to cut a tree, but we would just need to maybe take like a, a beam we stole off the street at a construction site and pass it through there or something like that, like something that would give me like a an eight inch cut. Where mm. right now, obviously, the the limitation would be six inches. That's three inches on the top, and then you flip it and three inches again. So something that would give me like a full eight inch cut is what we're going for. So maybe a disc sander on one side. And then the sawmill on the other side. It sounds insane, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. See, so, figure out how to put the laser on there. And yeah. <laughs> so that's that's one of the goals. <laughs> it's my crazy disc sander. You mentioned uh, Diresta shop, and uh, I just want to point out this Instagram account real quick. Now, this is Dave, your shop assistant, taking photos and putting them on Instagram, yeah. correct? Yeah, Dave Welder has been with me for seven years. We met. He was my student seven, eight years ago. And he's been working with me on and off for the last seven years. And, and, you know, he's the one person I can count on for everything. He's, he's been really good to me and, and he's been taking tons and tons of pictures. And so we kind of came up with the idea together to just start an Instagram of just all the behind the scenes stuff of my shop and his Instagram alone, David Welder, W A E L D E R. It's amazing. Is also, yeah. is also oh. very good. He's a really good photographer. My new, yeah. my two new favorite Instagram accounts for sure. Like his photography, oh, it's phenomenal. So yeah. Oh, great. He'll be really impressed to hear that. Thank you. So, yeah. So, the rest of the shop is just all behind the scenes stuff of like yesterday morning, we went and picked up the lumber to build this new uh, white oak bar we're building for Crown Royal. And so, Dave woke up with me and you know, he woke up and he's like, I'll meet you at the truck at six in the morning. So, we, he met me and he just started taking some pictures, even pictures of me drinking coffee, which I don't know if anybody's interested in, but he's been taking <laughs> pictures of everything. <laughs> but we know what so. happened. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, you know, like details, like I don't really promote like where I buy my lumber. I did mention Rosenzweig before, but going up there and pulling the lumber, he did a funny little Vine video of me grabbing the lumber and walking around with it. So it, these are all things like moments that he he thought to capture, which which are great. So I appreciate that. Thank you, David. That, that is actually really cool. And I've thought about that before because like I don't have any photos of me working, which yeah. is fine. I mean, I'm not like to where, I, hey, I need to see myself working or anything. But <clears throat> being in the position where we are, at least a lot of us, you know, who make videos, um, we usually do that by ourselves a lot, right. a lot of times. And so we're either behind the camera or in front of the camera, but that's the one person, you know, doing both of those things. So it's interesting to have somebody and really cool to have somebody that's taking pictures of. It's, it's funny now. I mean, everything I do, like, <laughs> we've been talking about this one particular shot. Like I used to do photojournalism. I used to study photojournalism. I never really was published in that regard, but I did study a lot about it. It was a hobby of mine for many years. And I, so I was taking pictures constantly. And I was always like, for me, the, the, one of the most beautiful shots that I, I, that I like is called the, uh, I call it the National Geographic shot, where it's like a blur and then a flash. You see it a lot when National Geographic does like the when they focus on like, you know, a town or a small town in USA, they always have that shot. It's kind of nighttime. It's like a blur and a flash. And so Dave's been experimenting with that. So every time I move around the shop, he's taking pictures of me like moving so that we got like mm -hmm. a motion blur flash. So he posted one of me carrying the camera yesterday and I wrote underneath it. This is the photojournalist shot I love. <laughs> so, so like we'd be in the middle of doing something like he's doing one thing, I'm doing another. And then all of a sudden I look up and he's taking pictures of me. <laughs> nice. I don't think I've ever seen that done in a in a shop before. It's a common technique for, you know, band photography or whatever to kind of show some some action where you use the slow shutter and then the flash stops the motion. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of this in the shop. Yeah, yeah, it's fun stuff. And he's and like I said, moments where I'm almost like, oh, this is going to be ridiculously boring. But you know, he's he's captured and he's got tons of stuff to edit at this point. He's been taking lots and lots of stuff. So it's good. It gives, it, as far as goals go, he's got a great goal now to, to, to try and keep that current and, and exciting. So that's a good goal. Yeah. So what about, um, I guess we've talked about probably both, but mostly skill set type stuff and tool stuff. What about as far as businesses or YouTube stuff? David, do you have any goals, like stuff you're, where you're wanting, like in the next year? Let's take a year. Okay. Um, well, right now, I mean, this is what I do for a living. I make YouTube videos and I sell patterns and plans and, and merchandise and other things. And I want to focus more on the YouTube videos themselves. And I want to do less shipping items. I made a video of how to make these wooden beer caddies. And I sell the plans for those caddies. And I also sell the project kits where you can buy all the wood that you need for those caddies. And I need to get rid of that, that selling the kits because that's taking up too much of my time of cutting the material packing and shipping and and all that and i want to focus more on the core of what i love doing and that's filming videos so my long-term goal is to get rid of all the stuff that's taking up too much time and and focus on my videos all through college they would tell you you know it's quality and presentation is so important so i want the quality and presentation of my videos to go through the roof i want it to be almost TV quality, you know, and I want to have the best woodworking videos out there. You know, I want to be like, the, I want to be the go-to guy. That's, that's my goal. Great. Awesome. What about you, Jimmy? Uh, as far as the next year is concerned, I'm having a lot of success with my commercial clients and I would like to develop that more. 
when I say commercial clients, working for branding companies and working for advertising agencies and building cool things for events. And the money's really good. I can't lie about that. But what makes life so much easier is I'm dealing with teams of people that all have a more of a career interest in it and not necessarily a personal interest. So when I build a cabinet or something for somebody, they just sit and stare at it. When I build something for a private person, they just constantly stare at it and they get to like critique it for, for mm. you know, if they love it, they love it. Thank you. you know, I'm thankful that they love it. But when I build something for a commercial client, it goes into an event space and like it's, it's no, it doesn't really belong to any one person. It belongs to like the brand or it belongs to the team. And so for one person, it's so precious for them. It makes me neurotic. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys? <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. I mean, you're, you're building for a different, you know, audience. It's instead of an audience of one that has its own like pickiness and its own this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Know. And then, I mean, the, the bigger goal is to, it's also the money's more precious when you work for one person. They're very, very particular about what exactly how they want it and this, that, and the other thing. What I deal with these teams of people, I can suggest things and they go, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah, you know, why don't we think about that? You know, it's just a little bit more open and a little bit more creative. So this, there's a few points about that whole thing that I really like. So I'd like to develop that. And then, uh, of course, I talked about in one of my videos, I want to build a barn. So that's another really long-term goal is to, to build a barn. And a lot of people ask me, and I don't know who's listening, but I would try and keep both spaces, but the upstate space would really be the one space where I'd spend most of my time. And if I could live in the city and live upstate still, I would do it. But, you know, if it got down to it, I would just have to live in the house that I own, which is the one upstate. Mm -hmm. So that's a long-term goal is to build that big garage where I could have all my toys, to build that big garage where I could have all my tools and all my toys. Yeah. I really like the dynamic between the two videos. You got this like dark dungeon-ish type shop in New York City, and then you have these other videos where you're you're outdoors and you're chopping wood and and there's beavers, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love being up there. If I could spend all my time up there, I would. I mean, I love the city, of course, for the texture and the grit and like all the cool things that come with being in New York City. But if I could just work upstate, I would. I bought that house ten years ago with the goal of working upstate. And I really thought that I'd be up there like a year after I bought the house. But my clients are here in the city. And I, 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 I keep finding reasons to build upstate. And it's working better now than it ever has. But if I had that big giant square footage barn, I probably would, would never leave. How far of a drive is that for you? Uh, it's two and a half hours, three hour drive. We do, it, we do it a couple times a week. We try and spend at least two days a week up there. In the you know when it's open, and the winter comes, I'll shut the house down because it's just too cold. Do you do you think that you would be more productive in a space? I mean, obviously, a bigger space is good because you can have all your stuff in one place. But as far as just productivity, do you think you would be more productive in a place like that versus your shop now that's kind of broken up into different areas and maybe more cramped than you'd like and stuff? I, I think I would be. I think I'd be unstoppable because I'd have projects started that I can, I can jump between. Right now, mm. I have to stay focused on one project at a time. Like when you see my Instagram, you see I kind of like bump projects out through like a pinhole. And it's like one gets done and then the next one slowly starts and then that one gets done and the next one slowly starts. If I had a job, if I had a big shop like that, you'd see me, I'd be building a motorcycle, I'd be building a hot rod, I'd be customizing cars. It would all be going on around me and it would be like a dream come true. But, you know, that's what I'm working towards. I definitely mm. would be more productive as well because I'm in a basement and I have really low ceilings. And every time I, I always forget, and every time I pick up my camera from the tripod, I smack it up on the on the furnace yeah. vent or whatever. <laughs> um, and I think my videos probably give it a a, a false 
look using the wide angle lens, but there's really not a whole lot of room in here. So I'm constantly like banging my hip or can't get the camera where I want it. And I know if I had a bigger shop, I could be more productive and, and move around faster. Yeah, that's one thing I've looked at for a while is, you know, what it would be like to rent a space here in town and try to get something not huge, but something bigger than my one car garage. And the one of the things that I have a hard time with that is just the fact that my shop is in my house. You know, that's I mean, that that's really hard to beat. It's awesome. The fact yeah. that I can go work and, you know, but I wonder for me if, if having a shop even a couple of miles away would take something out of my motivation to be in there because I, I know that I would have to leave my family or whatever for any amount of time and, you know, go there and be there. And maybe that would be awesome. I don't know. But that's one of the, the things that I've thought about in my particular situation that, you know, kind of be worried about. But Yeah. Last summer we were actually, we looked at a couple spots to rent for to use as as a shop and i'm kind of glad that it didn't happen because now this is what i'm doing for a living i can just wake up make some coffee and head down into the basement we do plan on moving in about two years and when we move it's it's got to have something that's a bigger shop whether that's a, a garage or a barn or a, a big basement or whatever that's going to be one of the um the things that we have to have in this new house yeah, yeah it's definitely a requirement every every time i consider what I'm going to do, I just, the space. And, and I just know that I can't afford to live in New York City anymore and get the space that I have. If I move out of my space now, the next move, it just has to be into the, the country because it's just too expensive. Right. We've thought about maybe moving at some point, but, you know, with four kids, lots of stuff, and just really, really hard to convince yourself that anything is worth moving. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. You know, I can't imagine, like, the last time we moved, we had, uh, our oldest was just like nine months old. So, you know, he, did, he wasn't even like running around or anything like that. So it was fairly easy to move. But now it just sounds horrible. <laughs> so I'm not sure if we ever will or not. Yeah, I would, I would have to overlap. Like people ask me, am I moving totally out of the city? I wouldn't just make one clean break and go up there. I would do slowly over time. I have a six-year lease here in the city right now that I'm only like a year into, so mm. I have plenty of time in Manhattan. But, you know, it would, it, would just, it would just be nice to have space. I see, like, I watch Jesse James, and he's built himself a dream shop in two locations in Austin. You know, he's got, you know, all the money in the world, but he also has all the space in the world, and he's got the freedom to buy these big, giant power hammers, and, you know, that's the type, that's the type of... That's my long-term goal is to live a life like Jesse James. What would be the disadvantage if you moved? Would you, uh, I would imagine you wouldn't be so close to all your supplies and resources. Um, well, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm sourcing all new suppliers in, in Albany, in and around Albany area, which is in upstate New York. Albany is the capital of New York. And so it's, it's, it's in the next biggest city. I, I wouldn't say close to Manhattan, really, but because there's other big cities closer to Manhattan, but it's like a big city in the in the state of New York. It's got old buildings. Like in certain parts, it looks just like Manhattan, but it was an industrial town and there's still lots of industrial suppliers. I found a new supplier for plywood up there, premium plywood in Altamont, upstate New York. And uh, I go to Albany Steel for my steel. And there's, it's funny, in any city you go, there's always places. For instance, we go to Chicago every Christmas and uh, along the way we think of what we need and we try and find suppliers anywhere between New York and Chicago. I bought steel in Chicago on my Christmas trips a few times. Hmm. You know, we're always looking for new leather places in and around, you know, the drive between New York and Chicago. So You didn't get steel in Pittsburgh? 
on your way no, to Chicago? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> my brother lives in Pittsburgh, and uh, I've stopped in. But no, actually, we found a really great supplier in uh, the north side of Chicago. I can't remember the name right now, but they had. I actually bought brass and steel from the guy. He had, well, I say the guy. It was like, this giant corporation that had this like giant mechanized plant that had like this like mechanical thing that moved and picked up exactly what we needed. But it was really it was really cool. Just, just one of the things Taylor and I love doing. My girlfriend is finding new suppliers for things like that. Mm-hmm. So. New York City is actually becoming less and less of an industrialized town and more of like a shopping hub. So that's one of the things people don't like about what's going on in New York. You're having great little shops close because they're having less and less people being interested in buying the gizmos that they sell. And so you find more of that outside of the city now than you used to. You, you find more of it outside of the city than you used to be able to find in the city. I put it that way. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. Like when you... When you go to a new place and you start looking at different suppliers or different, you know, antique dealers or what, whatever the thing is that you're looking for, you're going to end up not only finding the stuff that you were looking for, but also finding new stuff, new stuff, new stuff that you didn't even, you know, suppliers for things that you didn't realize that you even wanted. It's true. Yeah. It's really, that's a really good point. The way to put it, then that's true. I didn't even realize that that's what I was articulating, but that's absolutely true. Well, anybody else have any other goals coming up for this next year? No contest, no, no build-offs, no challenges, no contest for me. I'm going to do my own thing in 2015. Yeah, I have a hard time doing those things. I mean, people ask me to do I, If pe- people want something, just come to my shop. I'll give it to you. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do a contest or anything like that. It's, uh, oh, as far as a, a, a goal, one of the goals is uh, I just made friends with a, a company, uh, they're promoting a new app and uh, the, it's an app called Tally and they, they keep using my content and they're putting my content on there. And they came up with an idea that I've actually already been thinking about is a place and a spot to display all the things I made in my videos. And so whether it's in my own private space, but they've, they, they've offered up for me to promote in their space. They have this big loft in Soho and there's like, if you want to bring all that stuff here or you know a, an edited down version of what it is you've made in your videos and you'd like to display them here, but I don't know if that's going to happen specifically there for long term, but at least for short term, I'd like to show my my wares, all the things that I actually made in my videos in one location. I don't know where that could be, but that's just the goal is to get them all together and put in one spot. That seems like, yeah, the, the amount of stuff that you've made, obviously a lot of it's client work, but the amount of stuff that you made and the, the breadth of the different types of things that you made, it would seems very obvious to me for you to have an art opening of yeah. some sort. You yeah. know, just to show off. You've never had a gallery yeah. opening before? No, honestly, I, you know, I've never really focused on like one type of art enough to put it together. But now in an odd way, the, the type of art is all the different things I yeah. have done. And, and I would do a gallery show just simply to just promote the video. So it makes sense now, finally, after all this time. Hmm. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah, that would be a good goal. Lifetime goal for me would be to just make videos for YouTube. Of all the oddball things I think of to make like that I made last week. I would like to just do videos of that and not have to talk to anybody. But unfortunately, I'm not getting paid enough on YouTube. But the goal would be to get paid enough somehow on YouTube. So that that's definitely a long-term goal. So I don't have to deal with clients. You know, ultimately I could just make money off my videos and my my fan base. But you know, that's 
probably not realistic because I know if anybody knocked on my door and asked me to make something, I would say, okay, let's make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll it, make a video of it. I'll you say, would, yeah, let's you would at least have the opportunity to be like really selective in that case. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have to hang somebody's shelf, but like if the project is cool, and I would turn it into a video. Yeah. So I think a lifetime goal for me is to have a style. So when I'm when I'm an old man and somebody sees my work, they'll know like, oh, that's a Pachuto. Pachuto made that. That's that's his style. You know, that's and a I, great. It's a great goal. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. Um, it, whether it's crafts, wood, furniture, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but. All, Sam Maloof, like yeah, a Sam Maloof. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all great artists, all painters or illustrators, um, the great ones have a style and you can recognize them instantly. And that's my that's my life goal. That's great. Because I tell my students every year, I was like, if you make enough work, you'll begin to develop a style that you're completely unaware of. So whether it's drawing, graphic design, or, or, or sculpting, if you just do enough of it, eventually you'll begin to find your thread that you'll follow and you'll develop that. So that's that's great great thing to bring up bob lifetime goals uh one of my big ones is is about my kids is actually um instilling a lot of what i do and the things that i care about uh into them you know which sounds really obvious i think to a lot of people of course you want to do that you want your kids to care about the things you care about and stuff but when it comes down to like the brass tacks of a kid understanding how things work or how to accomplish a goal or solve a problem it's not as natural as you might think as you would expect it to be and so i've noticed a lot of things in i mean granted my kids are pretty young still and so they don't have the understanding understanding of things that they will have in a few years but when i see them approach like a problem the way that they go to solve it um you know i want to get in there and like yes this is how you do it you know this is how you do it i want to do it for them but part of them learning how to do that is being able to do it wrong with someone standing behind them to keep them safe and all that type of stuff. So one of my goals is to just teach them how to problem solve the process, you know, mm-hmm. not, not to teach them how to get things right, not teach them how to do things my way, but to teach them how to go through the process of messing up, you know, in, in pursuit of doing the right thing and of like fixing something. Yeah. And that goes really far, I think, in, in and everything. a lot of, yeah, and, and everything. Yeah. Problem solving so, is a huge skill that many of us don't have. And yeah, I did a, a talk this last weekend, uh, like a workshop at this thing called Geek End. And it was a, it was here locally. And the whole, it was like an hour long thing. We made something in the room and everybody got to come up or a few people got to come up and help make it and everything. But the point of the whole thing was that a lot of times you don't attack a problem or a thing that you want because it seems big and unapproachable. But if you look at one big problem, it's really a whole bunch of small problems stuck together. And so if you can step back from it and break that down into what the small problems are and figure out how to approach them, once you get rid of all the small problems, eventually you've gotten rid of the big problem. And when I said that in better words than I've just said it right now, it was amazing. Like, there were, there were probably 50 people in there or something and everybody's eyes just kind of lit up like, oh, that makes sense. Like <laughs> things really aren't does. quite as scary as, you know, when you yeah. think about it that way. And so that's something I'm trying to do with my kids. And it's really hard to implement, you know, that type of thinking like in your own household with your own kids because they drive you crazy half the time and stuff. But <laughs> It's only going to get harder because it's so easy when you do have a problem. You're like, I'll just look it up on the Internet instead of just sitting down and thinking, yeah. OK, here's my problem and breaking it down and, and figuring out those little mini solutions. So, yeah, it's too easy to look things up now and 
and not yeah. get your brain thinking. And and as a parent, it's easy to fix stuff for them. That's like one of the hardest things for me is not to, you know, my son can ride a bike like a champ now, but it, his bike doesn't have a, a kickstand. And so it falls over all the time. And so I keep thinking, hey, I need to, after he goes to bed one night and I have free time, I need to go put that kickstand on. And then I'm like, no, I need to give him the kickstand and a wrench. <laughs> and say, <laughs> Absolutely. Figure out how to put this on. I will help you, you know, but, and that's a, like a really important thing not to do, do everything for him. So I think, you know, those are, those are some of my life goals. Very good. I like, I like the, that. I like that. I like the idea of problem solving. And as far as goals go, we're talking about goals. I personally give myself these little goals all the time where it's like if I have to go to a friend's house and help them with something, they start explaining all the details. I say, don't tell me anything. I'm just going to show up with my leather man and I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that really is like a little personal goal that I do. I do that constantly, that little exercise. Uh, and that just helps my problem solving skills develop mm. more and more and more. Like for instance, when someone's like, oh, come to my house. It's over here. And this, I said, don't tell me how to get there. I'll figure it out either through MapQuest or my experience. And uh, so those are the type of things, uh, like on a daily basis goals. Like when you talk about, like for instance, I just had to do these these several boxes for for this uh, for this liquor company. I had to make this like little finger jointed boxes, and I got to make a whole bunch of them, and they have to kind of look exactly the same. And, and so every day I say to myself, okay, at least by the end of the day, all these joints are going to be attached. Okay, tomorrow, at least by the end of tomorrow, I'm going to have all the hinges cut. Okay, at least by the end of tomorrow, I'm going to have all the CNC faces done. So these are little like small goals, like come hell high water, I am not going to bed until that's done. So these are the type of small goals I set for myself, which eventually come together to create the big goal, which is getting done by the 22nd <laughs> of this <laughs> month. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I, I, problem solving and you know making things is it's just constantly setting goals, constantly. Yep. So. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good place to wrap it up for this episode. So thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you to Jimmy and David for thank you, thank doing you. This one, um, we've had some some really good traction on iTunes, guys, and we really appreciate you listening and um, all the feedback and the ideas for topics that everybody's been sending in are awesome. So thank you for those. Please keep sending them to info at makingitpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. Those help us uh, get further up on the list and more people can find out about the show. And that helps us want to do it even more and more. So, yeah, leave us a rating and a review. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.